It is officially race week. I'm very excited. We're back on Lifton Coast. We probably won't do an episode after this because you're off to Zimbabwe right away pretty much, right? I leave on Tuesday. Okay, so we'll get an episode in for, the, for Baku. Um, but yeah, are you excited? It's been four weeks. It's been the uh, summer break before the summer break. Yeah, I mean, we talked about last episode, so we won't dive into it too much. But um, it's been very frustrating. I'm not going to lie. You know, being without F1 for four weeks has been a tough, tough, tough thing to swallow. However, I'm wearing my Mercedes gear because they've made some switches. Yeah. James Allison. Um, Back. That's a big move. It was literally just a position swap to put them back into their strengths. But I think what's really important to like really dive into is that James Allison built the masterpiece of the W11. Like He was the Adrian Newey of Mercedes. We speak about how important the this Red Bull car or how dominant this Red Bull car is compared to other F1 cars. And the W11 has that same stature. So really exciting times for Mercedes. Um, you know, we, we can dive right into it. This is the, probably the biggest topic today is would you agree that Mercedes camp doesn't say anything unless they're uber confident? Meaning that they were only going to do this if they knew this was the like this no, was no, no. fix. They don't come out in the public and say anything unless they're very confident. They they're more of a glass empty type of organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they well. they don't talk shit. They let so when they say something, I mean it, it, it's typically true. Like they found yeah, performance. It, so I'm sure you saw, we talked about it briefly. George has spoken, and so has James, that they've pinpointed quite a few things in the wind Suspension tunnel. Suspension issues. And it's just about making sure that it applies in real life application, which for me is positive because when Mercedes comes out and puts something on wax, you got to have a little confidence. I mean, it, it carries more weight than every other team. Because I mean, Toto is such a pessimist and... You know, if if he didn't believe it, he would go on the air and be like, I don't know what George is talking about. And he does it with his little snarl and his like kind of bit arrogant. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah, we got you. Yeah. So I guess the big question is, and I already have an answer, but I'll ask you on the air because I haven't asked you yet. Is Mercedes going to be within one tenth to a competitive pace with Red Bull by summer break? Um, and, sorry, coming, coming out of summer break. One tenth. I mean, one tenth still significant but that can be track um, based too right you can win races based off track they, they've said that with making this change as early as they've had mm-hmm. it will give james allison enough time to have a serious impact on next year's car so they have like tempered expectations and said really it's 2024 car is going to be great but they said with the immediate suspension changes from the wind tunnel we'll see um a direct impact in baku and by imola we'll see a serious upgrade that's brought Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think they will be within one ten. So you think by the summer break, undisputed, it is the second best car in the grid, and it can fight for wins on the right. They'll subject. have more downforce in the corners. Like I think they're going to be, I think they'll be able to contend for race wins. But I mean, again, it's going to be not a championship car. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this, right? It'll make the season interesting. It it'll make the season fun, I think, for Mercedes fans. So. We could dive back into it, but I, I, because this is more of like an opinion-based pod we're doing, I want to hear from you. Does that help the season at all, knowing you're a clear second to Red Bull rather than competing with Aston Martin and Ferrari? Or because of the high standards, you're just like, no, I don't care. Well, you have to look at it as, yes, it's a win because 
you're giving the mastermind, James Allison, all the data he needs to make a championship car again. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at it as you're investing in the loss to come back greater. That's not my question, though. I said, is it going to make the easier the season easier to swallow because you're not well, competing with Aston Martin and Ferrari? Like, I mean, from an emotional standpoint, it's going to be frustrating because it's probably going to feel like, oh, my God, we could get race wins, yeah. but we realistically, you we can't. Can. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be frustrating. It'll make the season more interesting. That's why I said interesting, maybe not fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll be better than seeing Red Bull win races by over a minute. Yeah, I, I think from my point, if Ferrari was a clear second, it'd be a lot better than watching a squirm against Aston Martin Ferrari. That's just my point. I mean, we said last pod they're the fourth best team. Yeah, I mean? know, but I'm saying like if Ferrari made clear upgrades to be within a tenth or two tenths of, of Red Bull, I'd be real a happy camper. But I understand there's different expectations with, you know, the Mercedes um, fandom because you guys are obviously, it's easy to say, probably the greatest, uh, and this is another thing I want to dive into. Is Mercedes the greatest modern sports dynasty? 2000s. <sighs> Eight in a row. New England Patriots won how many? They won seven, I believe. No. Se no. Seven or six. Was, yeah, because Brady has the same as Lewis. Or no, does he have eight? He has seven. I think he and has seven. And he has one with the Bucks. Yeah, it's seven with the Bucks, I believe. It's six so, with the Patriots and one with the Bucks. So then, I mean, if you look at it that way, uh, and I can't really speak on the, you know, global football standpoint. I guess within our ecosystem, football. I would say I mean, that they're probably the greatest dynasty. However, the biggest downfall to the dynasty was they didn't have the succession planning in place to replace the mastermind. You mean Lewis? No, James Allison. Oh, you know what? They put in I, someone who came from a tech standpoint and a scientific standpoint, not necessarily a hands-on technical and a race director. It, it feels so like they the didn't get that right. the succession planning fell off. But within the eight years, they won back to back to back to back to back to back. For back. sure. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what happens when Adrian Newey leaves Red Bull, right? I don't think he does. Bro. I mean, at some point in time. Oh, yeah. You, when you, his does. age. I, I don't think he leaves. I think he retires. Like, but So that's the point. I mean, um, just doing my own research, reading about it, listening about it. James Allison wanted to move away from that role because it's just very hands-on. Yeah. So he's now forced to come back. It's like Bob Iger, Bob Iger going back to Disney. Yeah, I mean, listen, when Toto tells you or Mercedes, because he's working on boats, right? He was working on their other, what's it called? The, their race, is, boats racing or something exactly. like that. When Toto tells you that you need to get your ass back in the paddock because we need to win championships again and shareholders are probably frustrated, because you've said it before, winning definitely impacts your stock and your brand. I think you have about three years or four years of a window before it really starts impacting you. And Mercedes is like, get your ass out of the boats. We need to win. You want to keep our stock high. You want to keep our valuation high. Go there or figure it out. But I love how they framed it though. They said Mike Elliott went to him and was like, you're better suited in this role. Maybe he is though. And Mike Elliott did. is now technically his boss. Well, that's my thing. Maybe he, maybe they did where they're like, I don't think James definitely didn't get a paid deduction. We we can not say at that, all. right? And Mike Elliott just swapped roles because I think the CTO maybe is better for infrastructure and you know, behind the science rather than, you know, working hands-on. We talk about it all the time, right? Some people are great working internally. Some people are great working with external people. Some people are great with 
crunching numbers. Like it, it, it does come down to leadership. And, you know, if you want to dive in deeper, it's like, did Toto not see his in, Mike Elliott's inability to actually fill the, the technical race director role? Well, I mean, I'm sure Lewis, like to his point, was giving that feedback to Toto. It's like, man, I'm telling Mike or Mike's team, car just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I agree with that, but even before that. And that's just me speculating, but I mean, but if you start putting everything together, it's like they didn't listen to me. But that's not, that's before, I'm talking even before that, bro. I'm talking about when he was, when he replaced James. Well, like that. The, the, all the communications coming out of the camp were that we're going to trust the signs. And that is so Mike We're Elliott. not talking about that, though. We're talking about when he replaced the role. Like, this is this all falls well, on Toto when he actually put Mike Elliott in place. Like, you know, Toto is known as this great leader, and I think he but is a great he leader. He probably thought that Mike big Elliott could, could lead. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, it's a big, big mistake, mistake, but he obviously thought that Mike Elliott was going to be able to take the team to that next level. And, and you know what? I get where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, you have to die on your it's sword. It's just like in any sport, if you think of the NBA, like analytics play a big part, but it can't change the eye test. It can't. But and this is the exact same scenario. He's got to die. On, he's got to take a lot of accountability for this because at the end of the day, they lost your, two years. It was your it was your hire. Oh, sorry, it was your succession plan. So Facts. people can't be criticizing Mike Elliott if they, if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize Mike Elliott, you it better comes criticize from the top. Toto. You got to criticize Toto. And I mean, last year was extremely painful and frustrating. <laughs> I, I would say so. For me, I understand where your pain is coming from. Maybe because I'm a George fan. I thought it was very good to see George actually not come into a dominant car and compete for race wins right away. I think it might be good long-term. Although he went to Williams, but I think it's good for him to see a medium car. Because we talked about how he drove a shitbox for three years. For sure, but that's why in a way it's like he was robbed of coming into that. He was, but he also learned more lessons. I think it's good for him like… <laughs> he's just had such a slow course of like he's had to deal with shit at every level but he's proven he's i think he's proven that he's a really good driver but the way i look at it is you can you can go from the worst car to the best car but then where's the medium ground so i think if mercedes is rolling with george for the next what do we want to say 10 years let's let's say, say let's 10, say he's a yeah. franchise driver let's just say george is that good he has seen every single car if he if mercedes produces a championship level car he has seen everything there is nothing that you can't prepare like lewis has seen everything right facts and so I mean, I if you like look it. at, uh, so where was James Allison before? He did uh, Renault? Yeah. And was it McLaren? I believe so. I Don't quote me on this. I didn't do too much research but, on James. I mean, irrespective, it's good to have him. He, they said he's going to be working on the car. They said five days because five days in a work week, but it's like seven days a week. Leading yeah, I got you. 24. So, you know what? I think it gives Mercedes fans a breath of fresh air it we does. can we can kind of like take a gasp we've set expectations the car is going to be going to continue to get more and more competitive in 2024 we're going to have a championship car yeah and I, if we don't i mean that's a huge no i i think 2024 you won't have a championship car until like after the six to eight races i think you'll have a car that competes but i think red bull will still have a little bit of an edge but the beauty I, I of this change that. is it happened after three races it happened after race one, bro. I mean, yes. <laughs> Which, again, everyone was like, Toto was way too rash. But I mean... But that's, that's how you get stuff done, right? You have to. You have to make moves. But here's my thing, though. Is the W14 actually not a good car? Because 
Because they said they've well, unlocked a lot of But at the end of the day, it's a good car. No, Red no, no. Bull's no just I'm, better. I'm not arguing that. We haven't seen the real potential of the W14 yet. But we've been talking about potential for over no, a year. No, no, no. I understand that. That was a W13. We're not talking about, w, we're talking about W14. George has said, and James has said, there's a lot of development coming out of the W14. Well, that's why we're going to see the suspension changes in Baku. We're going to see the big upgrade that will be a side we, pod upgrade in Imola. We don't know if that car will be uber competitive. I mean, look, like, that's at the end of the point. day, I can be extremely optimistic <laughs> and there's a 0.001% chance that they come out of Imola and they're like tense ahead of Red Bull. Well, the, well, if they're competing with Red Bull, then it's a great car, right? right? My point is, is that we haven't seen the W14. And... Until they actually put their full upgrades in the W14 while they're developing for the next car, I'm not going to say it's a bad car, bro. Like, I need to see what this car looks like fully. Like, I've told you, until summer break or until Mercedes says, this is our real upgrade package, it's hard for me to say it's a bad car. Because you tweak a couple things and the car is different. We, we looked at Mercedes, right? In 2021, when they unlocked their car really after summer break, how different was that car? I mean, Down the streets, it Lewis was an was just animal. Killing. Yeah. It was an animal. I mean, that right? was such an incredible second half rally by Lewis. Um, but we got to give Mike think about Elliott Brazil some, 2021. And we got to give Mike Elliott some credit for that. Let's not, let's not, like, he unlocked that car in 2021, right? Is his leadership. So, yes, Toto made a mistake with Mike Elliott, but he's also done some good things for I mean, Mercedes. that's why, in a sense, he just got promoted. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, on the, paper, it's a promotion. It. Yeah, I mean, being the CTO um, is, is a big promotion. So, the other thing is, right, just talking about unlocking. The Aston Martin came out really strong this year. Yes. Got a ton of downforce in the corners, mm -hmm. but they have the exact same rear suspension as Mercedes. Yeah. So, it just shows you that there are such small, minute details that can make such a difference in performance yeah it, it, people people don't look at that right enough when it's just you little things change the game right it's and like that's hard same engine same rear suspension mercedes has figured out it's not necessarily the side pods it's actually the suspension we're not getting enough downforce blah 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 yeah and then you look at you know a customer team like aston martin that's purchasing from you and they have the same rear suspension but the configuration is different yeah, and, and that's that's always a difference, right? Like it's it's such minute details, and it, that's why F one's a beautiful sport. It is a engineering masterclass of sport. Yeah, it, it's as simple as you can put it. I will say this about Aston Martin, right? And this is one of the things that Fernando I think just is, said that they're a year ahead and they're going to be a championship contender he's next year. And he's cooked. <laughs> I mean, listen, they might, but I, I definitely don't think. I think Mercedes and Red Bull are on a different level. So let me throw this out to you, right? Has will Aston Martin actually continue developing their car all year and actually make big strides? Because I know they, I don't think they've upgraded yet, but their car has felt very stagnant, if that makes sense. I feel like Red Bull, in a sense, they're losing performance because they're not increasing their performance. Everyone else is. That's how I feel. They I don't have the data, I haven't looked at it in depth. I'm just casual take. Do you think Aston Martin will actually develop the car over the year? And do you think that they have, um, they're, or they're saving that for next year? I feel like they came out with in race one with a very, very ready race car. And it, it almost seems like after three races, it hasn't changed. So they have a great car, but they're not moving, they're not moving forward. So I think that um, 
I think that they will slowly lose performance through the year, not them physically, but everyone else like overtaking right? them. So that that's what I think. I mean, I saw Alonzo's comments. They seem hyper optimistic, but I mean, about then again, year? no, about next year. Okay. So we'll see. I think that they're going to finish third. I think they'll finish third as well. Actually, no, I think Ferrari's going to finish third. What am I saying? What I will say about it is that here, here's my kind of theory craft, right? I believe Aston Martin thought they might get fifth or fourth. So what's that paycheck look like? Let's call it $30 million. They're like, cool. If we finish second or third, that's more money. And we spend less money on developing this year's car to finish there. And we spend it all next year. So that is why I believe Alonso said they think they, he thinks they have a championship winning car. That would be my whole kind of theory craft is that they are putting all their chips into next year's car. Well, this car is like, okay, cool. Nobody expects us to be here. As long as we're hitting some podiums, our shareholders are cool. Fans are going to be cool because they're just going to chalk it up to Mercedes is a great developing team. And, you know, I said it on last, last podcast, but this is so big for me is that I just believe in Mercedes development. I don't believe in Ferrari's development, right? Should so, we? So on that point, talking about development, um, we haven't touched at all on this, I don't think, but actually we did on the last pod. Do we put any more thought in the fact that George DNF'd because of reliability? Oh, did you not read what happened? I, tell me. Basically, his engine was was a one-off. Like it was, I think something slipped in there or something caused it to, but it wasn't. So like it was the a one-off engine. instance that probably won't be yeah. repeated. I, I don't. I don't necessarily exactly remember exactly um, word for word it was. You know, we got a million things going on here, but I read it and I was just like, okay, cool. It wasn't like the engine was too hot or it was just a one-off. So I'm still concerned about reliability because their engine's been tuned up quite a bit, I, from my understanding, and um, obviously. Their downforce has changed. Their drag has changed. But I believe that they've turned, tuned up their engine. Because I can run with that. So let's talk about Baku. So it is race week. It's been a month. This is an incredibly fun circuit. Yes. It is very technical. It requires the utmost like... It's got a two kilometer straight. For sure. But we're talking about narrow. And people make so many mistakes. Like... You got to think. This is a sport where there's you're dealing with gravity. You're going at such fast speeds. You lose like just focus for a second, and you're into a barrier. Yeah. So, what do you think? Well, I wrote I wrote an article about it. Obviously, you know we're writing a little bit more blogs on our website. Go uh, check out the blog, Pete. <laughs> check out the blog. Subscribe. Um, I absolutely love this track. From going into the castles, obviously, you got the long straight that goes into the, like, I believe it's four or five chicanes in a row. It's just a fun circuit. I love driving it in F1 2022 as well. I think that this is one of the most underrated tracks. A lot of people don't it's like it. It's one of it. my favorite street circuits it, by far. It's also just a pretty sight to watch. It's incredible. I mean, I think about just over the last few years, right? Max having his tire blow on the straight. Lewis overheating his brakes the following year mm -hmm. and pretty much losing the championship. He lost the championship it. with that. Um, he literally did. There's always fireworks at this track. I think a few years ago, Vettel, someone crashed into Vettel. Yeah. Maybe it was Lewis. I don't know. I, I think it was Lewis and Vettel. But like this is, this track never disappoints from an entertainment standpoint. I think I, last year wasn't that entertaining, was it? Like from like, it didn't have too much drama. Well, last year, I think um, it's kind of faded because 
I could just you, remember you Lewis bouncing yeah. on the straight. <laughs> and, you know, back issues, head. Yeah, it's a fun track, man. I think people just got to look it for its beauty. Like, when you go into from five chicanes and you have that… Like, you have to hit that castle at a high speed because you can make it work. And drivers have to push the limit. The 2.2, two, the I believe, kilometers straight is a lot of fun just because, like, you get to see cars get to show off their speed. And then it, it's a fine line because we talk about it's an engineering masterpiece. Do you want to take advantage of the long straight to make up a lot of time? Do you want to take advantage of the downforce? Like, you, you got to configure your need, car. You got to pick your poison, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I feel like Red Bull doesn't have a poison right now, to be honest I mean, with you. The, their only poison is if Max messes up. Yeah. And I don't… I'm, people talk about Max like he's back in 2017. Like it, it's Max has been seven years in this game. Like he's he is not, not the immature driver that he once he was. He is a seasoned veteran now. He has more races. I mean, think than a about lot of um, was it was it um, Jada when Max was on that flying quality lap and he hit the yeah. end right <laughs> tires. His tires like, a little cooked. Yep, and he right. As they turn on to straight to finish his hot lap, he hit the barrier, right? Yeah. Like, Max ain't making those mistakes. And that was just, we, we, we that talked was a about that. I year. think I think he pushed his car in the limit too far because he needed to. I, I think for him it was do or die. But there's no do or die this year. I know. He's, he's cruising. There's literally zero so, pressure. You, you know, I do think Checo is going to give him a run for his money. Checo is a street circuit king. Not king, yes, sorry, let is. me rephrase that. He's not a king, he, but He's a genius on the street circuit. He does well. This is another street circuit. He does his thing on them, right? And I do believe... Uh, my pick is Checo. I don't believe it's Australia is a true street circuit that we just came from, by the way. It is. It is, but it isn't. Because it, isn't. it feels a little bit like an actual circuit. Yeah. But Checo is... He, he, he's something else on the street circuits. And he's my pick this week. He is my pick. We're going to see... I think people are going to struggle like they always do on this track, you have to hit these, these corners at such high speeds and, and you're literally coming millimeters from the barrier, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I think Logan Sargent is going to struggle. I think he's going to struggle too. Everybody else I think is pretty good. I think Oscar is going to do fine because Oscar just, you know, you, you said it because I didn't research it at the time, but people speak about Oscar like he is a generational talent. So I expect him to do well. I mean… McLaren's got two great drivers. They better not mess it up, man. Don't fumble the bag. Um, there's been a lot of talk about if Lando has an opt-out. And, I mean, if you're McLaren, you literally have two generational talents. I mean, if I'm Mercedes, I might buy out Lando's contract. I might, I might Put buy Lando out Lando and George together, that's the future of, literally the future of Mercedes. Future I mean, of you can't have a better driver tandem. I mean, you could swap out Lando for Charles, but you don't have a better... Tandem to take on Red Bull. Like, I'd that love is the to best see tandem. George and Lando together. That'd be so, so cool. So let's, let's talk about George and Lando, right? Because now we've had a little bit more time. They've both been in decent cars. Who's the better driver, in your opinion? <laughs> That's such a hard question. I'm going with Lando. I think Lando's the better driver. He's done so… He did so much in that 2020 and 21 McLaren car… Uh, George think, did so much in 2022 too. I got to give it to George because of what he was able to achieve in a Williams car. What he was able to achieve in a Mercedes Lewis Hamilton car that wasn't Actually, even yeah, fitted for him. You're right. The adversity he faced in that race multiple times. And then to come back and challenge a seven-time world champ in a shitty car. 
I got you. I'll say this. I'll give you this. This is this is how. I put and it I mean, together. I was of course a George hater to begin with. I'll give it. I'll put it this way. I actually change take my answer back. I think because George has so much experience with bad cars, he probably is the better driver because he has more technical knowledge than Lando. I, that's just my personal opinion. But I think that if you put Lando's in the Lando in the Mercedes, I think Lando's faster. I think he's faster. I don't think, know if he's the better driver. I think that's the better way to put it. I think. If you put them both in the same car, Lando will probably win you some more races. But I think George has more knowledge. I think he might be a little bit more resilient. So as a racer, I give it to George as well. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean, those two are friends. Having them drive together would be incredible. Um, we have to dive into this before before we uh, head out, right? Does Albon get picked up by a top team, top three, top four team next year? He is putting on a performance right now. That means it has to be Aston Martin not happening. That means Ferrari. I mean, signs contract up next no, year. No, signs renewed. Remember renewed, last year? Yeah. So then who's he get picked up by? No, maybe Red Bull. Does he go back? I think Checo's actually for, has is done in 2024. But you know, that's so hard, right? Do you go back if you're Albon after they no, no, he, they took care of him. He's not Pierre Gasly. Remember, they kept him on Alpha. Yeah, uh, they kept yeah, him yeah. around. He wasn't did, Pierre. They did. But okay, you know what? The better question is: Do we see Albon on a top on a top four team? Like, a, you know, I won't a podium car, not a championship car, in the next two years. Do we see For him in sure. the Williams seat? For sure. I don't think so. You think he stays? I think Oscar's gonna. I think Oscar will take one. I think Landon. I don't think there's enough seats on a podium car. So, you got to think Albon starting F one is with now the most dominant team. Yeah. Um, they cut him after seven races. No, that was Pierre. Remember Albon raced like half wanna, a year? I want to say it was... No, remember was, he raced the back half yeah, of the yeah, year and then was, he raced another year. It was only seven or eight races. No, he raced the whole year for them, bro. Remember he raced the end of 2019 because Pierre and then he raced all of 2020. That's, and then they yeah, picked up Checo. Yeah, yeah. So right. he raced a year and a half for them. So regardless, they... And you know what? That's they did like what Mercedes did this year. They made a rash decision because they just cared about results. Yeah. But now you see what he's doing in a Williams, and you know I know you weren't always a fan of him, but you got to respect it. I didn't think he was that good. I really didn't because they had. But think about Red Bull, right? Because we've talked about this. I'm gonna paint a pretty long bow here. Yeah, or, go ahead. Do like me. Red Bull is not the most um, politically correct team. You shouldn't have to be. It's professional sports. You want to win. They take a chance on a tie driver. A team that we've said on record multiple times that has got Max's dad. They've got... They have a lot of PR issues. PR they have walking issues. PR issues. So it was like, they don't take that move unless they know the kid has got extreme talent. Yeah, and he does have extreme talent, right? But th that's not my beef, though. My beef is that... How old is Albon? 24? 25? 24, 25. Maybe even 26. Okay. How old is Yuki? 23? I mean, Yuki's not, maybe younger. 22, 23, right? But if you believe in Yuki, I mean, if you really believe on Albon, why would you not give him a seat on, on, on AlphaTauri? That is my biggest thing. So they generally thought that their age difference isn't much. It's not like Danny Ricardo versus, you know what I mean? Oscar Piastri. For sure. So why did they pick Yuki over Albon? To me, there's big question marks there. Why? Both drivers 
you got to think Yuki is fast, reckless. <laughs> Elbon is more like the George Russell comparison we just said with Lando. But that's my point, though. So if Albon had such a high ceiling or if Red Bull Jennings believes in him, why would they take Yuki? Yuki's an F2 driver. Albon's yeah. shown you he can be decently competitive in the car, right? It's his first real year. Like, seven races doesn't count, in my opinion. It's your first year with developing me. Why would they not give him a seat if you believe in him that much? That, that is my biggest question mark is, why did Red Bull not give him a sister seat? It's like if, if Mercedes believed in, in George and they didn't keep a, for sure, a Williams seat for, sure. for him. Like, I would have I mean, a problem with that. I'm happy that Albon is gone from Red Bull. Will he make his way back? Probably. I, I actually think the most viable seat for him is Charles. I think Charles leaves Ferrari and then Ferrari Where probably does Charles goes, go? I don't know. Maybe he goes to Red Bull. His contract ends at the same time as Checo's. Can you imagine a Max and Charles lineup? That would be the best track. That it'd would be, be better be than Lando and George. But, but, but the, I'm telling you, I, I believe Charles ends in 2024 and Checo ends in 2024. And then there's a Ferrari seat open. Who else would you give the Ferrari seat? Maybe Oscar. Maybe Lando. I think Albon's a contender if he continues to prove what he can in the Williams. The sport's just going to get crazier. It's going to be nuts when you think about driver, the driver market, free agency. I also don't think the Ferrari seat's going to be worth much in, two, couple, in four years, three years. Is Ferrari only just going to continue to go backwards? You no, got to think, not, right? No. For people that know the sport, we're talking about the Lakers. No, they won't keep rich history, backwards. right? They have too much money. For everyone that has been on this ride over the last five years with Drive to Survive and the Phantom in America, it's not Ferrari the Lakers. sucks. It's the Cowboys. Cowboys, you're right. The Lakers have actually made it back. Ferrari it hasn't back, made yeah. it back. So for every modern fan, when I say modern, I'm talking about recency. Yeah. Ferrari's just been trash. But that's my point, though, is like they can't go, they have too much money to be trash. They won't, they might never get back to the mountaintop, but. When you get $70 million because you're a legacy team. So they're just a, a good bro, team that ain't winning. Think about it. Almost half, more than half the salary cap is given to them. I think at some point in time, that's actually going to come to a stop. I don't, I don't know if it will. I think We're changing things in F1 so drastically. I think that now. Concordia agreement they signed is like set in stone for... But listen... Anything's I, I, possible. Until, they get, until their $70 million is gone, they're not going to think... They're not going to disappear because... You can't tell the salary cap is what one twenty five, I believe. No, one forty. No, I think it decreased to like one thirty. Okay. okay, whatever that is, that's half of the salary cap. You're telling me that the two Fossi, the Scuderia, can't get seventy million dollars, another hundred and fifty million dollars in sponsorship to pay for their team. Yeah, there's no way they're ever bad. They are such a frustrating uh, team, bro. The only way they're bad is through engineering. It's not because of lack of resources. That team will always have resources. But my point is is when does a Ferrari seat become not prestigious anymore? I think right now it's not. You think driving for this Ferrari in 2023 is not considered an I don't, honor? I don't think, um, I mean, look, if you're Sainz and Charles, you're frustrated as hell. And I know I you think are. if you're anyone else on the grid, it's like, do you really want to go there? They got a bunch of just, their shit's in mess. So here's my thing, right? 2004 was Schumacher's last title. These kids that are growing up today that were born in 2004 know about Schumacher's legacy in Ferrari. So I don't think the seat has lost its allure now. I think by 2028... Coming up on 20 years, brother. Yeah, we are. But those kids are 20 years old and they know about Schumacher. They hear about his excellence. I think in 2028, 20, 2027, 20, you might not talk about it as much. 
But my whole point is that if you're a Ferrari from an entire just brand perspective, if you don't start figuring this out and bringing that car back to a championship contender, you're going to lose the allure of Ferrari. If you think from a brand perspective as well? I don't think so, man. I think... think Ferrari's brand is built off of F1. But that's my point. Ferrari's so synonymous, man. Like, I feel like... I feel like... People think like Aston Martin is on the is coming back and it's a big strategy of theirs to drive that forward from a consumer standpoint but if you just think right over the last few years right McLaren's people will buy McLaren's okay that's fair um I'd never buy McLaren I mean I wouldn't either <laughs> um Porsche obviously a dominant but not an F1 but Mercedes has really just, one, they've taken the market by storm from an everyday consumer standpoint. And you're seeing way more, um, I guess you could say, quasi-sports cars on the road as well. There's such a different market. Ferrari specializes in high performance. Like There's a price point difference, cars, of course. Right? Like, it's just different. But I get what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. But my whole point is… Ferrari, like, it's like the Knicks, bro. They, like, they don't, their brand can never die, bro. They're such a legacy brand. Like, think about this, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. But they're the Dallas they're Cowboys, the Knicks, right? They're That's the Knicks. Like, they ain't gonna, they could be no, shit no, forever. The, they're still gonna have great fan base. I mean, the Cowboys still have a great fan base. So, but they've won a recent modern era, like 1990 or whatever, right? The Knicks haven't won since like the 70s, bro. We weren't even alive during the Knicks, so they can't be the Knicks. Yeah. But my point to you is that I think that the allure of a Ferrari seat from a driver's standpoint is going, and like a team principal, like remember how you said it was a great responsibility? I don't think it'll have that allure Bro, anymore. We got, like, I don't know Fred Vassier, but like, he ain't that guy, bro. <laughs> he might be, bro. We he don't ain't know. the guy to be leading you, that team. I mean, can, can you really say that? Okay. Who's given him? Who is actually giving him his stripes? Let me just think stripes? of team principles, right? Toto Wolf, Christian Horner, Mike Crack. Yeah, it's like teams that are winning have real principles, like guys that carry a level of yes. just oomph. I'm not arguing with you, Fred Vasseur. I'm not arguing with you with that. But have and we given Mattia Fred Bonato? We're not it. How do we have we give have we given Fred Vasseur? actual chance to well it doesn't matter we can put give his him all imprint the on a team ain't doing shit there so, so that's my point to you right i remember i told you on the the, the, the move to get rid of bonato was bad because they, I, they replaced bonato with a 1b it's run by not even a 1b people. sorry a zb they've they replace it's a corporate like i i think you're just a figurehead i don't think you make the real decisions but i can't judge fred vassur unless i know he's calling the shots I know Toto is calling the shots. I know Toto Horner's calling the, the shots. Damn team, bro. But I know Horner's calling the shots too. Like, I know that they obviously have to appease their shareholders, but they have a heavy say on what they do. Fred don't have no say, bro. Fred just a placeholder, fam. I, yeah, but then how can you judge him? <laughs> but that's my thing, though. Like, I guess I can't judge it. It's got, it all comes back to the team. It comes back to corporate ownership. Like, that is... We, bro, we talk about all the time. If you don't have an actual autonomy Owner. to make decisions, you can't actually say you did that, bro. Like, that is what I... I, I is really frustrating about Ferrari. I don't think Ferrari actually gives any team owner or principal the ability to actually do their thing. They Like, I feel like Bonato didn't even get that. Like, that's just generally how I feel. It felt like 
Bernardo's time at Ferrari was constantly him fighting with senior management. Did you see, did you see all the reports last year that the CEO's not happy with the results and all this stuff, and he comes out? Did you have you ever heard they that? They were about? constantly undermining him. Did you ever hear about Red uh, Red Bull or Mercedes doing that? Even when Christian's nah, not I mean, winning, no. But it's stupid, right? That that's Ferrari, man. But but here's the flip side. Let me let me throw on the flip side. Why is Zach Brown in the public all the time? Because he's the public. He's a CEO. He's a CEO. I mean, what's going on with the team principal? That's the that's the thing with McLaren. Is like, it wasn't the principal had no voice. But the. I, I don't know if McLaren doesn't have a voice. I know Ferrari doesn't. But my whole point to you is like, why are the teams that are I successful? I mean, I think, just look at prime example. Look at the Toronto Raptors. How is Bobby the general manager, but it's Masai always Masai. Like, it yeah. undermines that role. It, it feels like it does. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it just doesn't sit with me well. Because I think like even Mike, do you hear anybody but Mike Crack talk from the Aston Martin team, really? Lawrence obviously gets interviewed here and there, but it's really Mike Crack. So I think Lawrence is like, I think Lawrence is doing the right thing. You got to let the principal be the principal. And, and I will say this, right? Just quickly, we don't have to dive back into it. I think Albon can take Lance Stroll's seat. Just hot take. I mean, I'd love to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, let's, let's uh, wrap up this episode. Well, um, unless you got Yeah, we'll wrap it up with you were just in Vegas, I was just in Vegas. Uh, I want to talk about our picks, but yeah, we they were about they were. I saw pieces of the strip being repaved. Yeah, they're getting ready for it. Yep. I know we got Miami in a couple of weeks, but just like when we saw Miami year one, Vegas is going to be like the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's like thirty thousand dollars for one package to be Dude, there. Every hotel bought all the tickets. It's dumb. It's stupid. But can you imagine paying thirty? It's going to be a spectacle. So listen, hot take or. I don't know if it's a secret, but we may be there on some special passes because of the media network we're building. So that would be cool. I just remember seeing F1 every single billboard every time I drove past. I think it was MGM. Dude, uh, I saw F1 everywhere. It was great to see. I'm so excited to see what the cars look going down the street of the Vegas It's going to be unreal. I stood on one of the um, bridges and I just like stared down. I wonder how much you have to pay for that. Oh, just standing room there. Standing yeah, the bridge. Right. That's probably a VIP. Just think area. about how garbage it is because if you're not standing at the front of that, yeah. you can't see shit. Oh, yeah. And it's 30, 32 degrees out at midnight. I mean, it's going to be. It's well, be it's November. Oh, it's November. That's right. So it'll be it like be. it'll be like 20 something. Could be. It could actually, be could be chilly, bro. It is the desert. It gets cold. I oh, think yeah, true. it yeah. is a night race. I wouldn't be surprised if we get temperatures that are like in the high teens, low 20s. Could you imagine they're in the low and like temperature? Struggling to get And we're talking about tires. temperature tire in Vegas. That'd be Anyways, crazy. lots to look forward to there. It was great, again, being in a U.S. market, a race market now. Um, I've been able to spend time this year in Miami and Vegas. F1 is prominent. Yeah, we were supposed Only to. Only one left Miami. for us is Austin. I've been so close to Austin. I'm going to live in Dallas. But um, we, we were supposed to be at Miami too. Didn't work out. Yeah. We still have the ability to go, but it just doesn't make sense for us. But Hopefully we'll get could there have, next year. Could uh, have met the great Sir Lewis. Yeah, we could have. But uh, shout out to Lewis. So bef- let's wrap up with our, our tradition. Who's your driver of the week? Who will be your driver of the week? Driver of the week is going to be George Russell coming from the DNF. He's you think George? My- okay. Yeah. I'm going with my boy Lando. Okay. I'm riding with Lando. Around Lando. Ride with him. Who, who, who? Top Top three? Podium? 
So I don't think um, I think Max is going to DNF. I mean, that's fair. I he mean, it's just like yet. if you just look at purely off numbers, right? At some point in time, something has to. You got a DF. You got a DNF every once a ten, season. Ten percent of the season, like a ten to twenty percent of the season. Something's so. going to happen. Fucked up pit stop. DNF. Who knows? Yeah. Something's going to happen. Yeah. So here, I just said George is my driver of the week. I got a one two Mercedes George Lewis. Followed by um, Checo. You ain't giving Checo cr- more credit than that on the street circuit. Wow. Checo number three, fam. I got Checo one. I think he's going to win. I believe in Checo. I got Mr. Lewis Hamilton number two. I do believe Max will DNF. Obviously, if Max doesn't DNF, I have a number two. But I believe Max will DNF. And I got Alonzo on the third podium. I think, I think George Alonso has a really good show. Alonzo continues to have a podium every race. I, this is what I think. I think George is going to struggle with the new car a little bit. I think um, something's going to happen with Aston. Like, it's just three straight races, Alonzo being on the podium every single race. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, I think... Um, so the reason I don't have George on the podium and I have Lewis is because I believe Lewis can adapt to a car quicker. Okay. I believe his driver instinct is better. So I think this new upgrade and stuff, I think Lewis will be better. Um, dragger of the week. <sighs> dragger of the week. I'm going with Lando. He's my driver of the week. Dragger, same shit. Mm. Oh, you know, Alfa Romeo's been terrible this year. I can't even give them a dragger. What do you mean? Um, they are the ultimate dragger. No, nah, that's why. They're just dragger and they stay at the dragger. Um, I can't believe McLaren, had, McLaren just scored points last week, right? Yeah. Actually, so I can't pick Lando. He finished in the top 10. I, I need someone who could go from like 20th to 13th. That's a good dragger. <laughs> I'm riding with my country, man. Let's go, Joe. <laughs> I'm riding with Joe then. Shit. I can't pick Lando. Lando I always would, would, but I can't. Um, you know what? I'm going to actually give it to uh, Nick DeVries. Bro, you're giving it to Nick? I'm like, you know, I just I need something good to happen. Bro, Nick, Nick is so bad this year. You even said it looks like he doesn't belong at I know, one. but I'm giving him my dragger, bro. I am surprised you didn't pick Yuki. No, bro, Yuki. <laughs> Yuki had a good race uh, two races ago on the DNF. Listen, it's all good. We're back. <laughs> race weekend. We'll see you guys um, next week. We'll see you guys on, on Monday, Monday for race debrief. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's go. Let's go, Ferrari. I love how Ferrari doesn't even contain a podium anymore. Nah, bro, I'm done. I have zero faith in my team. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah, both your teams. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, McLaren? I know you denounced McLaren, but yeah. Yeah, I, listen, I still like McLaren, but the way they did Danny, I was like, damn. But anyways, we'll see you guys on Monday. Peace. Mm-hmm.